Can I take a moment just to um, briefly clarify my aim in today's or for today's sermon, my purpose? As uh, Brother Aaron mentioned, we've been in John for several months. We took three weeks to work through parts of Luke uh, for our Christmas series. And being that we're going to kick off the new year tomorrow, I, historically, I've been preaching for the better part of 22 years. Historically, at the beginning of the year, I do a, a New Year's resolution sermon where, and I typically focus on spiritual disciplines. I, I want us to think about being in the Word, being in prayer, making that a, a regular or normal part of our Christian lives. And today I want to focus on prayer. I think last year I focused on the Word. If you're a Christian, let me say this, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, look at me. You, by God's grace, have been invited into an eternal dialogue with God. Whoa. He initiates that conversation. God speaks first. Amen? He speaks to us in his word. The gospel word makes us alive. We begin a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. He speaks to us. He continues to speak to us through his word. And then we speak back and we call that what? Prayer. And so my challenge for the body of Christ here at Kelty's today and for the year is to make prayer a priority, to really prioritize prayer in your life and to not just pray on your own, but to prioritize praying with others in the body, praying with your spouse, praying with your children. Let me make mention of one more thing. Um, <clears throat> Pastor Aaron did a great job. I'm so thankful uh, just the way he takes care of the book nook provides great resources for our church family. If you walk in the book nook, that whole center shelf is covered with books on prayer. Uh, one that I mentioned to him late, so it's my fault. Um, I've read this several times with my boys. I'm now going through it with my daughter, Samantha Jane. But it's what every child should know about prayer. It's by Nancy Guthrie. It's so good, so helpful. So parents, if you have young kids, uh, toddlers, this is a great book to start with them on prayer. So again, it's what every child should know about prayer. You know, we don't get like a financial kickback when we recommend these books. These are just helpful books that I've read and used that Brother Aaron has. And we say, hey, why don't you check it out as well? All right? It's my copy, so don't come and steal it. I'll find you. Um, the title of my sermon, I'm looking at one verse. I want to expose one verse for us this morning, and it's Psalm 119, verse 12. And the title of my sermon is The Joy of of prayer. I hope you view prayer as a joy, a joyful privilege that you, if you have the Son, Jesus, now have the Father's ear, and you can talk to him. Friends, that is a privilege. Amen? Here's the big idea. Prayer is the believer's joyful expression of gratitude for the gift of God's Word. He speaks to us first in his Word, and we speak back, and we call that what? Prayer. You know, relationships are a two-way street. That's why our best friends, who's got a best friend? If you're married, it should be your spouse, right? That's why our best friends, our closest friends, our confidants are not inanimate objects. Things like statues or dolls, things that are lifeless and cannot communicate to us. If the object that you speak to doesn't speak back, then the relationship obviously won't get very far, right? Hey, tree, how's it going? Nothing. Okay, that didn't last very long. Yeah, again, if what you're speaking to doesn't speak back, there won't be any relationship. Think about marriage. 
Nothing will frustrate or erode marriage quicker than a lack of communication. Imagine the hurt and pain a wife must feel when her husband refuses to speak to her, to respond to her questions of love and concern, to to share his heart with her. And the same is true of our relationship with God. Nothing will stunt our relationship with the Lord faster than a refusal to pray. Again, God speaks to us in his word, and we speak back in prayer. And the two go hand in hand. Generally, I would argue that those who read the word pray and vice versa. Verse 12, Psalm 119. That is our verse this morning. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. I mean, you could memorize that in about 15 seconds, right? Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. I want to be careful when I say this, but I I think I can say it's true generally of most believers that we tend to take prayer for granted. I think we too easily forget what has happened on our behalf to even make prayer possible. You know, our our lack of prayer as a church is very telling. It reveals the value that we place on our relationship with the Lord. Now, I think too many of us feel like "Ah, we have to pray rather than we get to pray. We get to pray. Furthermore, A lack of prayer reveals a lack of dependency on the Lord. You know what prayer conveys? Prayer conveys our neediness. We are a needy people, amen? And who do we need? We need the Lord. A lack of prayer makes a powerful statement. What hubris, what arrogance, what foolishness, what pride to refuse to come to the Lord in prayer. Now, why talk about this? Why spend a whole sermon talking about this? Prayer is the other side of the coin, so to speak, of our relationship with God. Again, God speaks to us in his word, and we speak back in prayer. If you're not praying, then your relationship with God will suffer. It is inevitable. More than that, if you're not praying, then you are actively, or maybe better stated, passively disobeying God. You're disobeying God if you're not praying. That's serious, right? I mean, we should take that seriously. God's word commands that we pray. Therefore, if we're not praying, we are disobeying the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. Rejoice always, all the time. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Those are all types of prayers. Rejoicing is praying. What's the other word? Pray, that's another Greek word for prayer supplication, pray without ceasing, and then giving thanks, giving thanks, prayers of thanksgiving in all circumstances. Let me ask this question. I think this is a good place to start. Who initiates the conversation? God does. God was the very first to speak. It's true. He was the very first to speak. We see this in the opening chapter of the first book in the Bible, Genesis 1. The God of the Bible, thankfully, is a speaking God. And therefore, he is a relational God. Wow! He's a speaking God, which means he's a relational God. He speaks to us in his word, and we speak back in prayer. 
This is further brought to light in John 1.1. Jesus is described as the Word. And in John 1.14, as the Word made flesh. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. A God who has made himself known and communicates to his people and bids us to communicate back. And we call that prayer. So we've answered the question, who initiates the conversation? God does. Who initiates conversion? God does. And he does this through the Spirit working through the Word. God reveals himself to us through his what? Through his Word. He speaks to us through his his Word. He effectually calls us to himself out of spiritual darkness and into the light by his Spirit working through his Word. So the work of new creation is brought about by our speaking God through his word. This is great news. Amen? This is fantastic news. But guess what? He also wants to hear from us. He initiates an eternal relationship, an eternal dialogue. He speaks to us in his word and he desires that we speak back. Again, God not only initiates the relationship by speaking to us through the gospel, but he invites us. And this is just so humbling. He invites us to speak to him, to enter into a relationship of mutual speaking and listening. And the speaking we do is called prayer. I love this quote by David Mathis. He writes, In wonder of wonders, not only does he express himself and bid us hear his voice, and where do we do that? his word, but he wants to hear ours. What? The God of the universe wants to hear our voice as well? (laughs) Yes. The speaking God not only has spoken, but he also listens. He stops. He stoops. He wants to hear from you. He stands ready to hear your voice. Christian, you have the ear of God. And we call it what? We call it prayer. Because of the Word made flesh, the Son of God, we who have trusted in the Son now have the Father's ear. It is one of the most mind-boggling privileges that the believer will ever know that if you have the Son, you now have the Father's ear. We can talk to God. We get to. All right. What do we learn about prayer in Psalm 119, verse 12, there's four things we see here. You're like, four things? Just a few words. How are there four things? Let me show you. It's object. Prayer's object. It's purpose. It's inspiration. And it's goal. All four things we see in our text. We learn these things about prayer in God's Word in one verse. The object of prayer, the purpose of of prayer, what is to inspire prayer, and the goal of prayer. I'm going to go ahead and give you the answers. God is the object, the purpose, his glory, its inspiration, what is meant to inspire prayer, his grace, and what's the last thing, the goal. What's the goal? More of God. Why do we pray? To have more of God. Who wants more of God? Who wants to go deeper? I hope all of us. So who is the object of prayer? I'm going to move rather quickly, so do keep up. Number one, the object of prayer is God. Verse 12, 
the very first half, blessed are you, O Lord. Who or what do we pray to? Now, knowing this is integral for prayer. We pray to God, the living God, the one true God who is Father, Son, and Spirit, who has spoken to us first. So prayer starts with knowing the identity and character of the one being prayed to. Prayer, therefore, I'm going to argue, flows out of the gospel. The gospel, what's the gospel? The gospel, the euangelion, the good news, the gospel is the good news of what God has done to reconcile, to bring back into fellowship sinners through his son. Somebody say amen. That is good news indeed. Now, why is knowing that important for prayer? That's everything. <laughs> it's the good news. Romans 1.16, Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. The God who speaks to us through his word reveals himself to us through his, what? His word. We know God through his word. We hear from God through his word. I mean, I'm, I've talked to Christians over the years, oh, I feel like I never hear from God. What? When was the last time you read your Bible? You can hear from God right now. He speaks to us through his word. I just don't know what God is like. What do you mean you don't know what God is like? He shows us where? In his word. So we hear from God through his word. We learn about what God is like from his word. And this same God who speaks to us and shows us what he's like, that same God invites us to speak back. But how can you speak to one you don't know? You can't. Therefore, in order for our prayers to be rich and sound, we must be people of the book. Amen? We must be people of the book. We must read the word and pray. Let me ask this question. Have you ever met someone famous? Or maybe infamous? <laughs> yes, good. You ever met your hero? Maybe a great sports athlete or a theologian? I've met a few. I've had conversations. I'm not lying. If I lied, that would <laughs> that'd be a bad thing. If you're passionate, if you're lying. I've met Nolan Ryan. Mickey Mantle. I have a picture of me and Mickey Mantle hanging out before he passed away. True story. I got an autographed ball. He was my hero as a kid. How old are you, Chris? I'm 40, but listen. Best switch hitter in the history of baseball. I, I would say so. I think he is. I've met guys like Vody Bauckham. I've, I've wrestled Vody Bauckham. He sweat all over me. Tom Schreiner. We, we all met Tom Schreiner. So. But I want to say something. I'm ashamed to say that in each of these instances, I've been somewhat starstruck. I've also found myself in each of those instances quite grateful for the opportunity to sit down with these men. Not only that, but I didn't want the conversation to end, right? I mean, if you've, if you've spent time with somebody, your hero or your heroes, you want it to go on and on. You want another coffee? I'll buy you, I know we just came for coffee, I'll buy you lunch, please stay, don't leave, right? We want the conversation to continue, but it has to eventually, right? It has to. Do we feel that way about communing with the Lord in prayer? 
is their awe and wonder directed at the Lord of the universe when we come before Him in prayer? Do we long for this time? Do we long for this time? You know, initially when I got to spend some time with Bodhi, you might not even know who that is, it's fine. He's a beautiful African-American man who can preach the Word better than most. He's brilliant, loves the Lord. He's written some really helpful books that we have in the book nook. But we invited him out to a conference in Canada, of all places, and we were going to get the opportunity to ride with him for like six hours. And I thought, oh my goodness, six hours in a vehicle with Bodhi? That's fantastic. But again, after six hours, you think I wanted that time to end? Of course not. Do we long for this time with the Lord? Do we feel that way about communing with God in prayer? Or do we want it to end? What's the purpose of prayer? Number two, his glory. Why do we pray? Why do we do anything, believer? His glory. Verse 12a, blessed are you, O Lord. One more quote from Mathis. He writes, the great purpose of prayer is to come humbly, expectantly, and because of Jesus, boldly into the conscious presence of God to relate to him, talk with him, and ultimately enjoy him as our greatest treasure. And to all of that, we should say a what? A hearty amen. You know, the the ultimate purpose of prayer, as for all activities for the follower of Jesus, is the glory of God. What we see in verse 12 is that prayer flows from a posture of praise. Let me say that again. Prayer flows from a posture of praise. The psalmist adores the Lord. Amen? He adores Him. He uses the verb blessed, which in the Hebrew is barach, which literally means be praised. His prayer, the psalmist's prayer, is for the Lord to be exalted and glorified. Do you know, this is helpful, okay, so if you're taking notes, I didn't put this in your handout, but I want you to listen to this. This is really helpful. Every prayer is an opportunity to praise and glorify God. Are there different types of prayer mentioned in the Bible? Are there different types of prayer commanded in the Bible? Prayers of praise? Just say yes. Prayers of thanksgiving? Prayers of confession? Prayers of supplication? What's that mean? It's to make requests of the Lord. I need your help. I need wisdom. Grant me peace, Father, please. All of those are spoken of clearly and quite often in the Scriptures. Who's ever heard of the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S, like the book? This is a great tool to use when praying. Again, I'm going to argue here that every prayer is an opportunity to praise and glorify God, and I want to show you by using this simple acronym, ACTS. A stands for adoration or praise, right? C for confession, T for thanksgiving, the S is supplication, which is a request. You're you're asking the Lord for things, which is biblical, right? Not a Mercedes-Benz, but for wisdom from on high. So if it's a prayer, I'm going to start with A. If it's a prayer of adoration, again, I'm going to show you that every prayer should be prayed with a view to bringing God glory. So if it's a prayer of adoration, it affords us the opportunity to fix our attention on the amazing qualities and character of God. His love, His mercy, His grace, His justice, His faithfulness. 
We are simply pausing to meditate on and praise the Lord for who He is and who gets the glory when we do that. God does. That's the purpose of prayer. If it's a prayer of confession, think, think about this. If it's a prayer of confession, it affords us the opportunity to look to the cross, God's saving work on behalf of sinners. When we do that, when we confess and think about the cross where our salvation was accomplished, we then exalt the Lord for his saving work through Christ. Amen? And who gets the glory when we do that? God does. If it's a prayer of thanksgiving, it affords us the opportunity to recall God's faithfulness and his provision in our lives. It allows us the opportunity to recount all his wondrous works and promises. And we do that, who gets the glory? When we recall his promises and his provision, his faithfulness in our lives and thank him, who gets the glory, friends? God does. Can I do one more? Sure. Okay. Well, it's the S. Can't leave the S. So if it's a prayer of supplication, it affords us the opportunity to demonstrate, here it is, our utmost dependence on the Lord. We are saying when we pray these prayers of supplication, Lord, I need you. Only you can sustain me. Only you can help me. Only you can empower me. This prayer exalts the Lord for his bountiful benevolence and his limitless power. What we see here is that God's glory is the ultimate purpose of our praying. All right, the third point is this. What has inspired the psalmist's prayer of praise? What's the inspiration for our praying? His grace, number three, his grace. Verse 12 again, I mean, that's, that's where we're going to stick, right? <laughs> Blessed are you, O Lord. The psalmist addresses God as what? Blessed are you, O Lord. What does that mean? O Lord. The Lord, or Yahweh, is the personal name of God. It, it resonates with his covenant faithfulness and his saving power. The psalmist is saying, I praise you, Lord, faithful God, faithful to keep your promises, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God who has revealed himself to his people, the God of rescue. That's what that name means. Now, where do we go to find God's saving promises? Where do we go? Where do we go? The Word. It's in his Word. What's the focal point of Psalm 119? I've, I've taught through Psalm 119. I've taught one sermon on Psalm 119, and I began that sermon by reading Psalm 119, all 176 verses. What is the, the focal point of this gargantuan psalm? What's the focal point? What's the theme? It's the Word, the Word of God. Psalm 119 is an anthem of praise to God for His, for his Word. Does God deserve thanksgiving and praise for this wonderful gift? And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The psalmist knows the Lord and his promises from his word. Do we view the word this way? Do we see it as an expression of God's grace?
to us, that God would show us what he's like, that he would show us his promises, that he would reveal himself to us in his word. What grace, amen? The Lord's character is revealed to us in his word. We learn of his faithfulness in his word. We learn of his mercy and grace in his word. We learn of his sovereign power in his word. We learn of his goodness and justice in his word. We learn of his love in his word. God reveals these things to us in his word. And what should our response be, church? Prayer. Prayer. We should speak back to God in prayer, praising him in prayer for his awesome character revealed in his word. You see, prayer and Bible reading go hand in hand. Amen? They go hand in hand. The last point is this. What then is the goal, the goal of prayer, according to Psalm 119, verse 12? Point number four, more of God, more of God. I love how verse 12 ends. Teach me your statutes. Now, that might seem pretty simple, a simple prayer. Lord, teach me your statutes. Oh, but there's so much there, friend. The psalmist request in the second half of verse 12 reveals his heart. He doesn't ask for things like money or health or a better job, but rather he asks for more of God. Did you catch it? Teach me your statutes. Show me what you're like in your word. Reveal yourself to me in your word. He prays, teach me your statutes. Again, we know God through his word. And the psalmist gets that. The psalmist's prayer concerns God's word. This prayer that he prays assumes, it presupposes a commitment to regularly being in the word. He wants to hear from the Lord. He wants to better understand God's will for him as it's revealed in the word. His statutes, teach me your statutes. His statutes refer to his commands, his revealed will for his people. The psalmist wants more of God, and he sees the word as the primary means for allowing this to happen. If you want to know God more, if you want to go deeper, where do you go? Go to the word. John Piper has written, It's not wrong to want God's gifts and ask for them. Most prayers in the Bible are for the gifts of God. But ultimately, he says, every gift should be desired because it shows us and brings us more of who? More of him. When this world totally fails, the ground for joy remains God. Therefore, surely every prayer for life and health and home and family and job and ministry in this world is secondary. And the great purpose of prayer is to ask that in and through all his gifts, God would be our joy. You know, this is similar to his prayer, the psalmist's prayer in verse 18. Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things from your law. So the goal of prayer is to get more of God, to know him more, to commune with him more deeply. May our primary prayer to God be, Show me more of you in your word so that I can know you more. 
the more time you spend here, it's like if you've gone to a vacation home. It's, it's fun to get away sometimes, right? To go to a beautiful place where there's mountains, maybe. And I love the mountains. I lived in the mountains for 10 years. But when you go to a, a vacation home with a view, and the view's outside the back window, do you leave the curtains drawn? Do you leave them shut, tied up? No, what do you do? You, you pull them back so that you see this breathtaking view. The more time you spend here, it's like the curtains are slowly being opened, and you see more and more of God, his grandeur, his beauty and majesty, and we respond in prayer, thanking him, praising him. In sum, when we pray, we must remember who we're praying to, the one true God. Why we pray, his glory, what motivates our prayer, his grace, and the goal of praying, which is more of God. Have you seen the glory of God and the Son of God in the Word of God? Let me ask that again. Have you seen, have you seen the glory of God in the Son of God in the Word of God? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ in his saving work? His saving work of what? Salvation from sin, from death, from God's eternal wrath that we deserve. Have you come under his word, desiring to hear from God on a regular basis? And have you learned to speak back in prayer? Make prayer a priority. Let me give you five helpful practices, and you can write these down quickly. Number one, Establish a plan for daily prayer. You know, we, we plan for things that are important. It's true? Would you agree with that statement? If it's important, we plan for it. What's more important than our relationship with God? What's the answer? Nothing, right? So plan. Plan to spend time with the Lord daily in prayer. Again, I had a pastor friend that for 40 years... For 40 years, worked through Acts. That's how he began his prayer time. He would take time every morning when he woke up and just go through Acts. He would start by adoring God, praising God, then confessing sin, then thanking God for his goodness, his faithfulness, and then make supplication, make requests of God. Father, save my children. You know, give my wife strength today. Help me to shepherd your flock better, things like that. Use that as a simple guide, Acts. Plan to pray. Carve out time every day in the morning, in the evening. And I would say couple your prayer time with your Bible time. Let God speak to you first in his word and then speak back in prayer. Establish a time and guard it. That's number two. Establish a time and guard it. You know, learn to pray and read the word together. Here's a simple practice. Read, pause, and pray. Read, pause, think about what you just learned. Okay, I just read John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loved me so much that he gave his son. Oh, Father, I thank you for the gift of your son that you sent for a sinner like me. So God speaks to you in his word and you speak back in prayer. It's that simple. So again, what is it? Read, pause, and pray. Number three, start a prayer journal. Some of the godliest men in the history of the church have had prayer journals. It's not sissy, men. It's not. 
It's a great way to catalog or record things that God has done. I prayed for my dad's salvation for like 20 years. I wrote it down. I kept praying for it. And finally, the Lord in his grace saved my dad. Write down things that you pray for. So here's what this is my life. I gave this to our church back in Washington. I gave them kind of my prayer journal. I took some things out, but I wanted to see this is what it could look like. So to begin, I had prayers for the church. They were Paul's prayers for the different churches that I made my own praying for our church in Washington. And then I had my family. I'm praying for for Haley and my children every day, for extended family. I'm praying for the salvation of people that I'm evangelizing. And then I'm praying for just some of the needs in the church that are being weakly brought to my attention. And after the Lord answers or works in that situation, I kind of cross that out and I go on to somebody else. But make a prayer journal. Think about things that you're going to pray for for the rest of your life. Parents, are you ever going to stop praying for your kids? No. Husbands for your wives? No. Wives for your husbands? No. But maybe even praying for a job. And the Lord answers that prayer. Are you going to keep praying for that job? No. You're going to pray for something else. So I I usually have two categories. I have things that I'm going to pray for for the rest of my life and then things that are going to be changing always. But keep a tally. Watch and see what God does. And when he answers prayer, and it may, may not happen the way you thought or hoped or wanted, but we trust that God's will is good and his will is going to be done. When he answers prayer, what should you do? You praise him. Number four, and I think a lot of us struggle here, plan to pray with others regularly. Should we pray on our own? By ourselves? Yes. Should we pray with others? Yes. Husbands, pray with your wives. It's one of the best things you can do for your marriage is to pray with your spouse. Go to the Lord with them. Lift up your children together. Lift up each other. Pray for the church together. But pray with your spouse. Pray with your children. Pray with fellow church members. I love that. Anytime I meet with a God, I meet with men throughout the week. Every day of the week, I'm meeting with different men for discipleship, and I always begin and end that time with with prayer. We pray together. And then lastly, incorporate prayer into your daily family devotionals. I would encourage you, church, if you've got a family, wife and kids, husbands, lead that time. Have a regular daily family worship. We call it family worship. Kids, come down. Everybody's had their bath. All right, family worship. Let's go. We open up the Word. We read it. We talk about it. We sing a hymn or two, and we pray. Let me share what I do with our kids. This has been going on probably for four or five years now. Monday, so each night has a theme. Monday, we pray for you, church. We pray for the members of Kelty's First Baptist Church. We pray for the leadership. Tuesday, we pray for our family and extended family. Wednesday is a time of confession. We confess sin together as a family. Thursday, we pray for our leaders at every level. Friday is a prayer of thanksgiving. Saturday, we pray for our missionaries that we support as a church. And then Sunday, they get to pray whatever they want. (laughs) That's always fun to hear what they're going to say. The cutest thing, though, is hearing my little girl Sammy Jane pray. Oh, guys, maybe I'll record it one day and 
just play us. It's just, I mean, you know when you've had little kids, when they start praying, it's just the sweetest thing in the world. And she prays for her brothers, and it's so sweet. Anyways, yeah. Some helpful books on prayer. Habits of Grace by David Mathis. Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. These are all in your handout. Praying the Bible. If you were just going to get one, I would get that one. Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. And if I was going to get a second one, I'd get the last one mentioned, which is Praying with Paul by D.A. Carson. Oh, it is a treasure trove. Let me end with this. I want to talk about praying in Jesus' name. What does this acknowledge when we pray in Jesus' name? Only Jesus can bring us into the presence of God. Recall John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except or but by me. Only by having the Son can we have the Father's ear. One more time. Only by having the Son, Jesus, can we have the Father's ear. Do you have the Son? Do you have the Son? Have you trusted in Jesus for salvation from sin? Only then can you have the Father's ear. And once you do, once you do, take advantage of it. Amen? Take advantage of it and commit to praying regularly. Don't neglect this highest of high privileges. Imagine being able to pick up the phone and call your favorite sports star or musician or political leader or theologian, someone you really admire, that anytime you have access, that you can pick up your phone and you know that you know that they'll answer. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be incredible? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Imagine that whenever you called, they were guaranteed to pick up the phone. It might ring twice, but they're going to pick up you'd probably spend a lot more time on the phone than normal, I would imagine. You would be honored. Wouldn't you be honored by this immense privilege? And yet, how quick are we to forget that we have access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and how seldom do we reach out to him in prayer? Lord, help us. You know, some may respond by saying, Chris, you just don't know. I'm too busy. I'm so busy. I love this quote by Martin Luther. You know what Martin Luther, the great reformer, said? I have so much to do. I'm so busy. I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours of my day in prayer. That's how busy I am. So I better get to pray. My life is so busy and so hectic and so crazy, I better spend the first three hours of my day in prayer. <laughs> I don't imagine any of us were busier than Martin Luther. He went on to say, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. One more time. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer is how we demonstrate our dependence on God. There is nothing more arrogant than a prayerless Christian. May it never be. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would give us a heart for prayer, that we would be known as a praying church, a church that longs to commune with you, to share our heart with you, a church that loves your word and desires to hear you speak to us, and a church that joyfully and faithfully 
and regularly speaks back to you in prayer. Father, convict us of sin for prayerlessness. I pray that we would not have the attitude of, I have to pray, but I get to pray. Remind us of the immense privilege that prayer is. Father, we thank you that in your word you show us how to pray. We thank you for the many examples in the Gospels and in the Psalms. Again, I pray that we would look to your word to instruct us in how to commune with you, how to speak back to you. I pray that our prayers as a church would be word-inspired, word-informed. I pray that as a church body, we would pray on our own. For those who are married, that we pray with our spouses daily, regularly. Father, may we pray with our children. May we Show them what prayer looks like. May we model that well. And I pray that we would take time throughout the week meeting together as brothers and sisters in Christ to come to you together in prayer. Father, we thank you that if we have your son, we have your ear. May we take advantage of that. May we long to hear from you, yes. May we long to speak back to you in prayer. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.